let's go right to the topic at hand, which is reflections on Yom Yerushalayim. Today is the 55th anniversary of that fateful day, Chav Ches Iyar, back in 1967, exactly 55 years ago. On this day, the forces of the Israeli army entered the old city of Yerushalayim, where the Jews had been banned for the previous 19 years, subsequent to the Melchemet HaShichrur, the War of Independence, which took place in 1948, where the city exchanged hands many times. At the end of the war, we, on the short side, we're not able to get into the holy city for those 19 years. So it was a difficult 19 years. During those years, the Arab Legion still having the training and some of the arms of the, of the British were not neutral at all, as they claimed to be. And there was sniping and shooting and causing harm during that period of time. But that period of time of 19 years paled in comparison to the threat that was leveled at Am Yisrael in 1967. Let me explain a, a bit from a personal perspective before we get to the more national and general halachic and hashkafic understandings what Yom Yerushalayim means. You see, back in 1967, I was a Talmud in yeshiva called Karen Biavna, and the crisis actually began on Yom Atzmaut. On that day, the Prime Minister, his name was Levi Eshkol, following in the footsteps of all the previous governments, to all run by the Labour Party, which had ties as a socialist party to even to the communists. They copied the communists. The communists had a May Day parade every year, showing off their pochi v'otz and yodi to the world, try to intimidate any adversaries, marching down Moscow with their tanks and planes. So too was done in Tel Aviv for many, many years. But that year, for some reason, Leib Melech and Hashem, Prime Minister Eshkol decided to make the parade in Yerushalayim itself, which is sheer lunacy. Yerushalayim at the time was a mile from the border, and you're having tanks and maybe even some planes was ridiculous. But that was, Hashem put it into his head, I was there myself. I was at that parade. The whole Yerushalayim was fairly small. The parade marched up Rehov Yafo and made a left turn on Rehov Herzl, and that was it. Up to the, to the Har Herzl, that was the end of the parade. But the leader of the Arab world, his name was Nasser from Egypt, took umbrage. How dare they march in Yerushalayim, which we consider to be our capital, and therefore he decided killed all the Jews. And he didn't make a secret of his plans. He's going to drive every single Jew into the sea. He blockaded the port south of Eilat. In international law, a blockade is the equivalent of, an, of a declaration of war. Basically declared war on the state of Israel and brought all of his troops from Egypt proper through the Sinai. You have to know a little earlier history. 1956, Israel cooperated with England and France to 
to free the Suez Canal. Our troops were at the Suez Canal, but the United Nations and with the U.S. helping them force us to retreat, they promised they would protect us. And there was a U.N. force on the border between the Sinai Peninsula and the state of Israel. Comes Nasser with his tanks and says to the United Nations, guys, you got to get out of here. You got to move. You got to leave. Now, the whole purpose of these, of these troops were not to leave, to stand to protect us from a, an invading force. But guess what? They picked up and they left. Now there's a tremendous force amassing at our border, our southern, called the southeastern border. And guess what? Nasser calls for an entire Arab front to attack us. Just as happened in 48. And so we enlist the aid of Syria. At one point in time, Egypt and Syria were even sort of united and Nasser was ahead. And he spoke to Jordan and Iraq and Lebanon. Oh, yeah. Try to get, you know, everybody involved to try to destroy us. Three weeks of unbearable tension ensued. You read the books on it. It was very, very frightening. I was frightened in Karabiyavna. But the people in the, in, throughout the world, in America and Europe, were much more frightened. This is still in the shadow of the Holocaust. And here is an enemy echoing Hitler. We're going to kill every single Jew and throw him into the sea. And they have so many armaments, and Israel had very little at that point in time. Gewalt, a terrible, terrible crisis. Very, very frightening. Three weeks in, precisely three weeks after, after Yom Atzmut, Chav Vav, the ER, Israel realized the U.S. is not going to help them. No one's going to help them. They launched a, an attack, preemptive attack, you might call it, flying low over the Sinai, and they destroyed nearly the entire Egyptian air force on the ground. With that, the war began, and Israel sent their tanks into the Sinai with air power. They controlled the skies completely. They were able to get to the Suez Canal in three days, three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of that week. Meanwhile, Syria attacked us from the north. We already have a two-front war. So the Israelis pleaded with the king of Jordan, King Hussein, who is typically a very conservative monarch, so we stand on this throne for so long. Please don't open up another front. Please, don't. just stay out of this war. Israel intercepted a phone call between Nasser and Hussein. When Nasser said, to quote from the Bible, Omar Oyev Erdov Shalom, come and join in the battle. We will divide the spoils. We'll split up the dismembered state of Israel 50 50. And Hussein was so conservative, never did anything. For some reason, again, lay Melacha Biyad Hashem, believed Nasser, and he sent his troops to attack us in Yerushalayim. Yes, the Jordanian tanks came from the old city and from behind the old city to try to attack us in the holy city itself. Tanks and shooting from the... It was terrible. Israel had no choice 
but to defend itself. They actually diverted troops from the south, southern front to Yerushalayim. It was a military disaster because they were equipped to fight in the open desert, not in, in, in inner, inner city. There were too many casualties as a result of that. But guess what? They started a fierce battle, primarily on Chavzai in the ear. Fierce battle. Sadly, many casualties. But the, the Jordanian forces realized they're not going to win this one. So, middle of the night, they, they upped and outed, disappeared. They fled to, to, to Jordan. The very next morning, that Wednesday morning of Chavchasir Yom Yerushalayim, when the Israeli troops came into the city from behind, from the, from the east, Shara Arayot, onto the actual Harabais, there was no one in there. There were no Jordanian troops to be seen. That's the famous film clip you must have seen. Rabbi Goran is coming to blow the shofar, and all the soldiers are looking starry-eyed with their helmets up to the top of the Kosala Maravi. This is what happened. It was really a three-day war, called the six-day war. It was really a three-day war. Three days, we had these incredible military accomplishments, yes, with casualties, but to my recollection, the sum total of casualties in a war for six days covering so many fronts and so many conquests was 600 and something. Terrible, each one of the, of the whole world. But typically, it was of this nature. Casualties are much higher. But struggle helped us out, no doubt about it. So why is it a six-day war? Well, the answer is very simple. The United Nations, which was totally silent, silent, did nothing to help us. For those three weeks, all of a sudden wakes up after three days. Guess what? The Israelis are winning. We got to stop the war. Oh, they're back, hocking back and forth. They finally decided that they're going to have a, peace, a ceasefire Saturday evening, 6 p.m. Israel time. Fine. Israel's mopping up in the Sinai, mopping up in what they call it in the West Bank. There's only one more day left of the battle, and they realize that the Syrians keep shelling us as they've been doing for the last 19 years from the, from the Golan Heights. Got up Sakh from Rabbi Goran on Friday night, can scale the heights and try to conquer the Golan Heights on the last day of the war, which they did. Again, with casualties, they scaled the heights and they drove and drove and drove and drove as far till 6 p.m. That's exactly where the border stands to this day. We subsequently annexed the Golan Heights. That's why it's a six day war. Really, five and a half. It started Monday morning and ended Shabbos afternoon. Amazing events, absolutely amazing events, transformative events. I was privileged. They opened up the Kosal Amarari for the very first time exactly a week later on Shavuos. Shavuos is precisely a week after Yom Yerushalayim. And it was an amazing experience marching down to the Kosal Amarari, things which we thought we wouldn't see, and our children wouldn't see, and our grandchildren wouldn't see. Phil Mashiach would come, he wouldn't see it. That was our mindset. I remember the Yeshiva took us on a Tiyul, just in Kodesh, Nisan, less than two months before. And the, the tour guide, the famous tour guide, was trying to show us, here's the, he could see the coastal from Amon and Atziv with binoculars. I think he was just hallucinating. He thought we would never see it. And all of a sudden, a short while later, it's in our hands. It was euphoria. It was also a fulfillment of the Perak and Tehillim. 
We marched through Shariafo. What happened was we had an all-night mishmer at Shuas, all-night mishmer in the in the Hechal um, Shlomo. Rabbi Untim and the chief rabbi spoke to us. Rabbi Goldvich, Rosh Hashiva spoke. We were davening for Sikin. We went out after after Kriyas Hatorah. We thought we'd be the first ones there at five in the morning. The place was so packed. There was crowd control with police barricades. We were singing and dancing to these words. Next passage is Yishalayim Habanuya Ki'ir Shechubra Lo Yachtov. And the Chazal say Chubra Lo Yachtov Shenasu Chaverim Zelazeh. They became friends with one another. How that happened? I saw it my own eyes. You know, a lot of fights in, in, among the Amisov, sadly. On that morning, we're dancing down to the holy wall. On one side of me was a Holy Jew from Meisharim, with his strimal, with his yellow bekasha, with his white socks. And one other side of me is a secular, bareheaded Israeli with a camera over his shoulders, and we're all dancing together. We, we, we thought Mashiach was coming for sure. Such a um, tremendous actus, and for those who know the history. The Six Day War spawned the resurgence of the Balchuba movement, which was unprecedented in recent times. And there was a tremendous love of Kalal Yisrael, as the, to give the, the comparison, the David that conquered the Goliath. They were the ones who were killing us, or threatening to destroy us. In a few short days, against overwhelming military odds, Kalash Baruch enabled us to be successful. It was a miracle. That's the parish begins. You were all so happy. Such tremendous happiness. I still remember we, we, we marched down with the way we walked down today, more or less, the way the, the cars go today. And all of a sudden, the whole, what they call today, the Rachavata Koto is in front of us. What happened? They decided wisely to destroy all the houses on the first day before the United Nations would have anything to say. Would never have happened otherwise. They made a huge square, which is now the Rachmat Kota. We said this was awesome. Remember, we dab in Musaf. What's Musaf on, on Shavuos? Don't have the base of Migdash yet, but it was a tremendous Simcha, and we were able to come at that famous day of Shavuos to the Holy Wall. He didn't want to leave, but the police said, You have to leave. There are more people coming. So hundreds of thousands of Jews came that day to the holy city. How we get back? You can't go back the same way you came. There's too much tra- pedestrian traffic. Only go back through the shuk. Only through the shuk. Now today, you're not allowed to walk in the shuk. It's too dangerous. But on that day, the Arabs were cowering. I'm telling you, I'm speaking from first-hand experience. It says in the Megillah, They were so scared and cowered in their, in their little corners and those little stores that lined the shook. And I was walking there myself. We were suddenly unafraid. The pastor says in the Megillah, they were even afraid of me. A little skinny kid. They, 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 they were afraid of everybody. Sadly, the tables have turned in the last 55 years. Sadly, now we're afraid of them. But it was the other way around. 
They wanted to kill us, but at the end of the day, we were successful. It was a miracle. These are some of my personal reflections and some of the historical reflections of what happened back in 1967. But I want to devote the second part of my remarks to what should be the halachic and ashkafic response to such events. The first is, of course, to recognize the Yad Hashem. To recognize the Yad Hashem. Here we are, threatened with extinction. Threatened with extinction. Unless you think, unless you think that just, we're just uh, exaggerating, I'll tell you two things. One, we said in Hala today, Halos Hashem kol goyim, shabchu kol umim, digover oleinu chasto. Ask of Itzel upon what do you mean? The Goyim? The Goyim should praise Hashem? What does that mean? We should praise Hashem. He explains that the Goyim know better than us all their nefarious plots to destroy us. We don't even know about these plots. When they're able to thank Hashem, we don't know what they wanted to do to us in the first place. How are we going to thank Hashem for a pogrom, for a murderous plot which never took place? But they know. What happened was, back in 67, the Israeli forces overran the, the Jordanians so quickly that when they reconquered the fortress of Latrun, over which so much Jewish blood was spilled, sadly in vain, end of the war, Latrun, the big fortress was in the Arab hands. When they overran it, that the enemy had no time to shred their papers, which every military group is supposed to do. So we went and we saw their papers. They printed it in Arabic on the front page of Mariv Yudiot in June of 67 with a plot to kill every man, woman, and child in an outpost which is known as Shalavim. You all know what Shalavim, a beautiful yeshiva now. At that point in time, it was a very just beginning. It was a kibbutz and a little yeshiva. And it was surrounded on three sides by the Arabs. North, south, and east. They only jutted in from the west. All you had to do is take your tanks for one or two kilometers, isolate Shalavim, and destroy everybody. This was printed in the newspapers. They wanted to kill us. They wanted to destroy us. And therefore, people who were afraid were not afraid in vain. They were afraid for good reason. I remember when we were in Karen Biavna. So on, uh, we didn't know what was going on because the, the Arab radio said, they're killing all the Jews. They said, there's no more Tel Aviv. I was speaking to Rabbi Sheikh, the Shlita, just a Yom Ha'atzmah, he told me that they were so frightened because the Arabs said that Tel Aviv no longer exists and the Israeli radio was silent. People in believed it. We were told by the Arabs, they're marching on Tel Aviv. Now, if you march from Gaza to Tel Aviv, you have to pass by Karim Yavna. We looked out the window, we didn't see anybody, but still we were a little bit scared because the Israelis said nothing. On a Tuesday of the war, the second day, there was a siren in the middle of Sukkot Zimra. We went into the Miklak. We were afraid. It was like Nila. We were diving to Hashem that the Arabs shouldn't get here. Turned out it was the one Iraqi plane flew over Netanya, dropped one bomb, Nebuch, one person, was killed by the shrapnel, and the whole, half the country went down. So we were all properly frightened. In the, the Miri Yeshiva, uh, one of the Rosh Hashivas, was so frightened that he 
said to the one sitting next to him, are the Arabs coming already? He was ready to die on Kiddush Hashem. After all, the Arabs were attacking. They were only one mile from, from the Mir Yeshiva. This happened. It was, it was, a, it was terribly frightening. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu saved us. We have to recognize the Yad Hashem. And the Yad Hashem thanks, saves us. We are required to thank our Kodesh Baruch Hu. To give a Shevach Vodot to Hashem for what He's done for us. This is something which I believe is a clear obligation to anyone certainly who was there at the time to thank Hashem at that time and to thank Hashem constantly in subsequent years as well. Now, it seems to me this is such a dove of that it's no need to elaborate. If a Kodesh Baruch who saves you, I'm an enemy who says, who says publicly, internationally, we're going to kill you. This is an absolute reason to thank Hashem for saving us. No need to elaborate. The question, of course, becomes, how does one exhibit? How does one articulate? How does one establish some customs that can exist within the, the observant community to recognize the chast Hashem that took place on those days? That's a question that I'm to discuss presently. So, there are two issues. One is a celebration of a day commemorating these miracles, making it to some a, a semi kind of a yontif. And two, the recital of, of Hallel. So I'm going to quote to you from a, an article written by a great tzaddik. His name is Rabbi Suraya Dabulitsky, Sheikh Tzaddik Levrocha a long-time resident of B'nai Barak, and a hero. He was a halakist and a Kabbalist, what many forum belonging to the B'nai Barak community, which is known in common parlance as the Haredi community. And therefore, one cannot accuse him of any uh, religious Zionist uh, affiliations. He writes an article called Fiat Yom Hodaya That's the title of his article. He starts off by saying that for generations, Minag Yisrael to make a Simcha V'Hodayan, a day when they were saved from our enemies. Aside from it being logical, he says, Hazal tell us so. Hazal gave us many sources of thanking Hashem. And therefore, there were many such days in Jewish history in different places. And they had different ways of observing them. You find this specifically for particular days. It says as follows. Ibn Ezra says, the puzzle we read in a few weeks, Pasha's Balosra, Yom Simchaschem, Sheshafta Me'eretz Oyev, says Ibn Ezra, Onitzachtem Oyev Ha'ba'alechem, Enemies came to attack you. Ibn Ezra, classical commentary from centuries and centuries ago. And Chidah says so, his private Purim, the Chasam Sofa says so, to make a Zechik Tzas, the Daraisa. 
this is how the article begins. It goes into further discussion of what was instituted. Uh, time is not allowed. I, I again apologize for my late start, but it gives examples of Purim Frankfurt. What's Purim Frankfurt? So Purim Frankfurt, there was a rumor of a pogrom that was going to take place on the ninth day of Adar. Never happened. They established the Purim, Purim Frankfurt, which was so well established that the Chassam Sofer himself kept it. He was born in Frankfurt more than a century after this so-called threat. Why do I say so-called threat? You don't even know if it would have happened. It was just a rumor. Rabbi Deblitzky writes, and forgive me for not quoting it verbatim, you can look it up in this, this article. He writes that all these, the threats of all of these Purims, such as Frankfurt, etc., compared to the threat that we faced last year, he's writing this in 1968, is, pardon the pun, a Purimspiel, the joke compared to what we, had, we, uh, we endured last year. Just a rumor, something was going to happen in one little place, and still they may establish the Yontif, which the Chassam Sofer kept more than 100 years later. How much more so must we establish some kind of observance, something, on a day that we were all threatened with extinction a year ago, and Hashem saved us. That's the beginning of his beautiful article. But then he goes on to complain, and I don't like to complain. I think it's very brief, very brief. You can look at it at much greater length in his in that piece, which was written in '68. He writes, at the time, people, you know, it was silence. All the rabbinical organizations in the Haredi world were silent. Only the chief rabbi said, "You have to say hello." And he says, despite the silence of these of the major organizations of, of rabbis, the people on their own, the grassroots, all celebrated one way, most of them, in one way or another. They said Halal, they said Tillin, they had mitzvah, there was no organized response. Rabbi Dablitsky says he was just shocked by that, but he figured, you know what? In all the excitement of the euphoria, it, we didn't get their act together. Oh, but a year later, a year later, for sure, it's going to be a uh, proclamation of some sort. That's what Blitzky to his shock. Nothing, again, nothing. Only the chief rabbinate. Everybody else, he starts enumerating. Not the Badats, Edacharedis, not the Badats, Agudas Yisrael. I think he rattles off a number of other distinguished rabbinical bodies who are very close to him in his, in his way of life. Silence. Silence. And here I'm going to read just a few words. You can't believe it. Every single member of any community in Israel, Leo Seiman Aklal, Hoyo Baoso Hanes. That's a phrase in the Gemara. Afein Hoyo Baoso Hanes. And the next sentence is the most dramatic. Kulam Ayumi Yuadim Chasmishalam. They were all destined Chasmishalam. The Hashmoda Totalit. The total extinction. The Axarius with cruelty. Kidugmas Kivshane. Auschwitz Umidanit. Doesn't say any words. That's exactly what people were thinking. It'd be another Holocaust. So therefore, many people realize this is crazy. 
It's crazy. People are just, they don't understand it, including many Gedolei Torah who are afraid to be, have their names mentioned in public. Something, Elo called Hezber Hagioni. It's against Ikiyum Minhag Yisrael Bedar Zor. They cannot understand. Again, so this year again, the Kala Rachav is doing something. It's absurd, he says. He uses the word absurd. Kimat Mizazeya. It's frightening. Yosem Hashem Atzchik, that it's laughable. Typically, you would measure someone's Charediyut, use that word, Charediyut, Yerushalayim, and how much he says. More tefillah, more brachas, more tefillah. Last year and this, it's everything backwards. Back, Hafuk Mamish. Hafuk Mamish. Whoever does not thank Hashem, not even one word, oh, he's the Charedi. Whoever thanks Hashem, you have to have to check him out. It's so painful to see that it was such a great uh, spirit of, of Shuba because of the Nisei, he uses the word, the miracles of Shesha Sayyamim, especially in wider circles who are very far from, from Torah. And they don't understand the people who are opposing any without any logical reason, or they're totally Adish, which means completely complacent to establish a day of, of, of Thanksgiving. They are reducing the excitement of spiritual renaissance which existed then. Doesn't understand. Doesn't understand. So how do you solve the problem? He says, you need hidabrut ben kol achugim ataranayim. Ah, that's what we need. Hidabrut is a new word. It was already used then. It was written 54 years ago. That means getting together of all Torah Jews in the land of Israel to get to some kind of unified day and unified observance. Ah, get together. I'm reading his words. I, Rabbi Dablitsky, a member of the Haredi community of B'nai Brak, I'll give you a suggestion. You don't say Tachnon. Vamiras Halel Sholem believe Bracha Acharat Fila Mamish. And saying full Halel without a Bracha after davening is over. Although I never had the privilege of meeting Rabbi Dablitsky, now we're Shuld Young Israel of Riverdale. It's exactly what we did. Left our Tachnon. We said full Halel after davening was over. Oh Hashem, you have great rabbinic guidance from a Incredible God will be Yisrael, who wasn't afraid to speak his mind in B'nai Barak. But sadly, he passed away just a few years ago at a very advanced age. We're still waiting for that Hidabrut that he was, that he said was a necessary result of our situation. Uh, my time is really up because I started late, almost up. But let me just say, Rabbi Shul gave me a few minutes, a few minutes to go over time, just a few minutes. What about the story of Halo? Halal appropriate or not halal appropriate? So there are those who say you can't say halal. Why? When the Gemara says, Omahala Bakoyom, it's Bakare from the Gadek, you can't say any time above those which are introduced by Chachami, Chachme Yisrael selves. This is a very difficult claim to, to support. But they said halal in many places in our, throughout the, the world, in all these Purims, they said halal. Or the Blitzky knows about that Gemara. 
have to be saying B'chol Yom every day. We're not saying it every day. We're saying it one or two more days in the entire year. This is not included in that prohibition. Well, then the question becomes, what's the nature of this obligation? Is it a Doraisa? Is it a Doravonon? And if, it is, if it's not a Doraisa, you have a right to make a Brocha. If it's Doraisa, you can make a Brocha, like any other mitzvah. Is it a Doraisa? So the Hassam Sofer seems to say that it's a Doraisa. We quoted him before about the various forms being Doraisa. Elsewhere he says, that's saying halal. On Hanukkah is Doraisa. It's a Doraisa. Why? The Gemara and Megillah. The Avdus, the Cheres, and Moshira, the Mavas, the Chaim, based upon the Shira Sayyam. So, as Rashi explains in Megillah, Daf Yudalad. So, it's a Doraisa. So, the Nitziv, the Shilta Chavav, says about Hagoyen at Sadiq, Hasan Sofer, to be careful. When someone called Hagoyen at Sadiq, maybe you'll have to disagree if she does. It was only Doraisa on the first year. Like Oz Yashemosha, that's the proof text. Oz Yashemosha was that year. Subsequent years is Terabona. The thing is, it's not a Baltosif, but it's based off on the original Doraisa in that year. So it could be Terabona in subsequent years that running a foul of Baltosif. So I see it's in Siv, Shiltachava. If it's a Terabona, on a simple level, we cannot make a brook on this halal because of today don't have the ability to enact new mitzvahs to the extent that they're obligatory and requiring a baruch. So it seems. However, in order to justify those who say a baruch, I, I repeat, in our shul we do not, but uh, some shuls they do, but to defend that custom, you have to invoke the language of the Gemara, which tells us that it was a Every time, this old time, time to quote every single word verbatim. I should say hello. It's arguable, and the Gemara and Erechen seems to say this way that it's not the shot that whenever there's a crisis, you need a new Takana's Chazal. No, the Chazal made a Takana originally. Whenever there'll be situation of this type, we tell you now, now we're saying you must recite the hollow. Why this, are there no other hollows? Simple reason. It says explicitly in the, in the Shonim who say this, explain it this way, it's only if the nace happens the Kol Yisrael. If it happens the Kol Yisrael, then you say hollow. It's only a Yochid. Yochid is, 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 is the minority of Kol Yisrael. There's no such obligation. This base of Bavadio safe in Kalik Vov, Simon says no broker should be said. However, I don't think that's correct. He himself makes a brief reference to it. But the Gemara tells us in the Sech the Horios, Paul Shabarit is Israel, And therefore, since the entire call in Eric was under threat of extinction, therefore you can't say hello. My proof is Bavadia conveniently omits in that show with the full citation that the Rabbeinion and Brachos quotes it says. How do you know it's true? Born in the same pasuk the Ibn Ezra spoke about before, which is, in your land. But it stands to reason that as long as the majority, so we hear the totality, Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael is under the threat of extinction, that when they are saved, Allah should be said. Therefore, those who say with the bracha are assuming one of two things. 
either the chasam sof is correct, it's the raisa every year, or no, so there are abonim, but you don't need a new takana for every time there's a nace of this, of this tagla too. All you need is an original takana which takes effect whenever it happens. Why is there no halal on Purim? The Gemara gives three reasons. With the Chutzlarets, there was still Abdei HaChashverish, we have the Megillah of Es, which is Priyas of Zeilulah. None of the three apply to these events. It's an Eretz Yisrael, we're independent, we don't have a Megillah. So therefore it stands to reason that halal should be said. Again, we prefer without a bracha like Rabbi Dabliski. Those who say it with have the, have the base, either based on Chassam Sofer or based on the assumption that Takhan was already made many centuries ago. They just plug it in. That is a miracle for Chal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael who were independent, such as the events of the month of Eir back in 1967 and back in 1948 as well. Now, <laughs> Rabbi Vadya also suggests the same piece. Well, it wasn't an open miracle wasn't supernatural. True. Neither was the events of, of Megillah Sester supernatural. Levadia says it is. Very hard to understand what, what he's driving at. And finally, Levadia says, well, no, the, the, the enemy is dying. We know very well that the statement applies primarily to the Alachim, Alachim We do say Shira, as we say, uh, on Pesach night as well. So that is hard to utilize that. And then finally, I'll end with this. The fact that the Geula is incomplete, is incomplete in 48, incomplete in 67. Our enemies are still trying to kill us. Every day they try to kill us again. Sadly, they've been too successful in recent years, recent months, and recent days, recent weeks. Shem Yerach and V'yishmar. every day to Hashem to protect our Chayna B'nai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. But so what? So what? When he instituted the, the halal of Hanukkah, you know the history after the miracle of Hanukkah, and the assumption is, contrary to Rabbi that the halal is on the military victory. The Ner Hanukkah is on the mitzvah, the nace of Hanukkah, but the halal and the simple is on the military victory, notwithstanding the fact that many setbacks subsequently, all of the heroic brothers were killed by the enemy, Every one of them, Yehuda Maccabee on down. And even the spiritual level of the Jews at that point in time was not so great. But the fact that our enemies are still, unfortunately, threatening us, and the fact that our spiritual level is not so great, these are all sad things. We cry about them. But these are not reasons to stop an obligation to say hello. So I believe such an obligation exists. I'm not discussing the, the extreme view in the opposite direction. Satma Rebbe, who said, Alagula Walatmura, for the book in 67, it's all the Maisis stuff. That is a, an outlying view, which is held by Big Talmud Chacham and Sadiq. Those who follow that point of view understand that. But most of Am Yisrael, including the Hasidic world, including the Yeshiva world, do not follow that extreme position. But sadly, they do nothing. And now I will end with the final point. Rabbi Davliski writes, there's no logical reason to understand why nothing is being said or done in these communities. But he's, he's not so naive. He really knew what the answer was. And I'm, I'll reveal the quote secret. The reason is, now in the Holy Land, there's a very political situation. And people are very interested in seeing to it that their followers continue in their 
path, which is political in the sense that it not only is a particular hashkafa that you have, but it also votes at the ballot box, which control funding and many other important matters in the Holy Land. And I believe that the fear is that if the events are being celebrated in parts of the community, for the deliverance of Am Yisrael from invading armies threatened to kill us, both in 48 and 67, if they become enshrined in any kind of liturgical custom across a broad spectrum of the community, it, yes, it may lead individuals to rethink the way they approach the events of the day, and perhaps they become more, to give the expression, Zionistically inclined, which would not be something that these rabbis want to see happen. That's my take. I don't see any other way to explain it logically. And I understand their position. I'm not here. But as individuals who are want to do their Ratzon Hashem without thinking about these kinds of cheshbonos rabim, I believe if you haven't said halal yet today, now is the time. Certainly after davening, say the full halal without a bracha. And thank Hashem for the miraculous events which took place on Yom Yerushalayim the days before and after 55 years ago. May all of us be zochet to see the full and complete fulfillment of that tefillah I was privileged to recite at the Holy Wall Shavuot 55 years ago. Simchas Olam, the Vias Amashiach, Simhera, Yomenu, Amen.